Welcome back, everybody. It's time again for another Living Hope, our weekly journey to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer, sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis. With a couple of, well, we got a couple of expert fighters here. We got a couple of people that have been uh, winning this battle for some time here. Roberta Luna is one of them. Welcome, Roberta. Thank you. It's nice to be back this week and good to see everybody. And yeah, today I'm really excited. We have Christina Parrish with us. Christina was diagnosed in 2008 with stage four pancreatic cancer and describes herself as a Sir Thriver. Christina is also the founder of the Purple Irish iris foundation i'm doing the same thing because paul's wearing a shirt this is ireland i'm wearing a shirt Sorry. this is ireland she's saying irish the whole time i thought oh, it's an irish foundation no it's an iris like the flower okay so sorry so sorry please common. please be sure to correct me i love that you describe yourself as a sir thriver how do you describe a sir thriver what is that exactly well i consider myself somebody that strives to thrive every day but i survived something that you know I, you become a survivor the, the moment you're diagnosed in my brain uh, you, because you're surviving but when you have long-term survivorship i think it's important to realize that you're thriving no matter the struggles you have but it's all in your mindset and you know how you think about yourself and sir thriver i think kind of gives the best of both worlds yeah, I have to agree with you. I might have to steal that. that you totally can. I think it's something that we as long-term Sir Thrivers, we are thriving because we know what it's like to be in the, the mix, so to speak, of battling every day. But, you know, you, ha you really have to, 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 to be able to survive long-term. I think you have to start thinking of yourself as somebody that's thriving because you've you've made it through to the other side and we need to celebrate those victories uh, in whatever way we can and so the way I call myself is it's more positive to me so no and I, I totally agree and we we need that positivity you know sometimes to get through this because it's unfortunate and I really love that you say that you know you are a you were a survivor from the moment you're diagnosed a lot of people don't feel that way but that is the definition of a survivor as far as dealing with pancreatic cancer so amen amen it's important to not say you know everybody gets that gloom and doom that oh you're i mean i was told i was going to die in six months and i just found that totally totally it wasn't okay and yeah. so i had to kind of throw myself into a mindset that helped me <laughs> just deal with the fact oh my god people are telling me i'm gonna die it was fight or flight and the positivity mojo took over and that's I credit that for still being here, really. Yeah, and I think you have to look whatever that positivity is each day, just the fact maybe you were able to get out of bed. You know, let that be your positive because it is difficult when they tell you, go home, my doctor, the worst thing. But the best thing he did say was go home and put your house in order because you're not going to be here next year. That made me decide, no, I'm going to be here right. next year. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that because that's exactly what I said. I'm like, I'm only got till Christmas. I don't get that. It didn't register and then it made me angry and then it just made me want to beat it. Uh, because if somebody tells me I can't do something, then I'm just going to show them. And that's kind of the the attitude I, I took on. It, it took me a few weeks after some denial but <laughs> to get on that train. But, you know, you, you have to. You can't. 
uh, for me, I just couldn't sit there and just die. It wasn't an option. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we're a lot alike. I'm the same way. You tell me I can't do something, I'm going to go do it just because you told me I couldn't, right? <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's funny because I've been talking a lot about mindset and people have asked me about my mindset during cancer and they're like, well, how do you stay so positive? And I'm like, well, how do you not? I said what I was doing wasn't working. So why not, you know, just I'm surviving and you know, I think it's your own journey. So you get to describe it however you want. <laughs> I tried to not listen to the people telling me I couldn't and just do what I know I could do. And that was the only thing I could do is find the right place for me to go for treatment that took care of my entire beingness. Yeah, exactly. So do you want to share with us how your journey actually how you began? Because it is very interesting, I think. So I was... So probably about five or six years before I was diagnosed, I started having chronic stomach issues, digestive issues from eating to, I mean, all realms of it. And I just thought it was stress. So I started popping Tums and, you know, it started getting worse and worse. I dropped, oh, I think in the first year of having these issues, I dropped like 60 pounds. I mean, I was barely a hundred pounds soaking wet and... I finally, I was at work. I mean, I was a workaholic. I worked 80 hours a week. So I, I just chalked it up to stress. And finally at work, I was sitting there and I just started crying. I felt so bad. I felt like I was dying. And I told my boss, I said, I'm not going to be in tomorrow. I was on the phone. I did collections for a big bank and I had to leave the phone call because I just was just in so much pain, uh, back pain gut pain. I mean, everything stopped working like the whole day. I didn't urinate or have a bowel movement. I mean, just everything was shutting down and they got me in the next day and they did their scans, had the weekend. Of course, you don't want the weekend <laughs> to wait for a diagnosis, but we had that. So I got a call while all my family was at work and they told me to come in and yeah, they told me I had a huge mass in my pancreas and numerous lesions in the right lobe of my liver. All in a week's time, I went from just not feeling great at all. I was thinking it was a stomach flu, but I did have an incident where I was working out and I stretched on a Pilates ball and I could actually feel. So I was so skinny. I mean, I was like Skeletor. I could feel something protruding underneath my rib cage. And I was like, oh, that must be nothing. And this was probably six months before I was diagnosed. So it came on hard and fast, but it had been there. And uh, I ended up finding out from my oncologist that I had a, a slow growing kind of pancreatic cancer that just kind of crept up on you, but it was harder, harder to treat and get a handle on. And what tests did they do to confirm that it was pancreatic cancer to even look for that? So we did the realm. We did ultrasound. We did a CT scan and they took blood work and it was the CT scan that showed all the fascinating stuff. The big golf ball size tumor in the middle of my pancreas to literally my whole liver just, I mean, it was like looking at, I mean, we call them blood suckers up here, but <laughs> all over. I mean, there was not, there was more lesions than liver in the right lobe. So. And did they do a biopsy or anything to confirm? So it took me two weeks to get in for a biopsy and I had no idea what that meant. So they did another ultrasound to make sure 
they could see where they needed to go. And so the ultrasound was one of the most painful things that I'd ever done because they didn't do it on my pancreas tumor. They did it on my liver lesions. And so they had to go all the way over to the right side, but they started in the middle of my ribs where the two rib cages come together. And it was like this little snake thing that they had to carefully go around the rib cage to where the lesions were. And then they had this little claw that went and then brought it back in. And uh, I, they didn't deaden me enough. So that was pretty traumatizing, but that's how they confirmed it was a denocarcinoma. And I found it interesting because I did read a little bit about, you know, what you'd been through and stuff that who gave you your news of pancreatic cancer? I, to me, it was pretty interesting. I thought that was a little different. I hadn't run across anybody who got it quite that way. Oh, for, for my PCP? Yes. Uh, well, so, so she didn't confirm it. So she didn't call it cancer, but we had a conversation and her son was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer at a really early age. And she's like, Chris, and I told her to be frank with me. I'm like, what is it? I said, because you're telling me it's a mass. And uh, she's like, it's probably for the most part cancer. And I, you know, I, I had been seeing her for 20 years. And when she told me about her son, I'm like, I felt she was pretty spot on. Uh, I was just getting into the oncologist. I mean, they confirmed it, but I knew it was bad. My body was telling me it was bad. And I trusted Jean, my, she was my PA for Dr. Barreau. And I knew it wasn't good. I knew it wasn't good. So her calling it, I was okay with that because she was probably the only one in the first part of my journey that was actually truthful with me and upfront and honest and didn't try to, Sugar she was just honest. And that was, that's a hard thing to find sometimes for somebody to be honest with you. So I, uh, our relationship, she's no longer with my doctor's office, but I'll always respect her for, for being honest with me. Yeah. And as far as the treatment was your, is your tumor, was it operable or did you have to start chemo? What was your uh, treatment? So no, I, I opted for no treatment up here in Maine. We're rural. Uh, Maine, all of Maine is pretty rural, even though most people say it's not. But so I knew that uh, at the time in 2008, uh, Jim Zartarseva was the cocktail of choice, the only standard of care. And uh, that was 40 years old and I was 40 years old. So I, there was no way I was doing chemo. And I went for three opinions and uh, the third one was Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Boston. They, they had very few clinical trials. I was inoperable. Um, they wanted to shrink the tumor, but they didn't know if they could. And so I just remember seeing a place on a TV ad at like three o'clock in the morning. And um, next thing you know, I got my insurance verified, had the wrong kind of insurance to go there. And uh, so you had to find a way to change that. And so one of my bosses where I worked, they found a loophole that if I change my address, I can change my insurance. So um, with the, the Bank of America standard of stuff going on. So that's what I did. I, I worked with the hospital. Uh, my boss got me a PO box in Zion, Illinois, and I changed my address to Zion, Illinois. 
Yeah, it's had some of the hoops we have to jump through, you know, to get the correct treatment or to get what you need. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, this was something that I was forever grateful. I call the people I worked with. Uh, they still are my guardian angels because they they move mountains for me. And um, I can't say enough about between fundraisers and, and people just taking care of me, uh, whether it was financially or just making things happen like that. I mean, between that and the community I lived in of Hamden, Maine and uh, my family and uh, just my best friend, everybody just came together to literally move mountains so I could get where I needed to go. Well, I'm happy to hear that. And I know, I think we must have seen that same commercial because I remember seeing the commercial. I think it was with the Peggy survivor. Kessler. Peggy Yes, exactly. On the horse, right? Riding the horse. Yes, so. <laughs> yes. Uh, I actually got to meet her. Uh, unfortunately, she passed away a couple years ago, yes. but um, she uh, is still a rock star in my heart uh, because she gave me hope even before I knew I had anything wrong with me. So. Yeah, I agree. I got to the opportunity to meet her as well. And you did. Um, yeah, right. people call this Mutton Jeff because she's so much taller than I was. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, she would use me for her little um, elbow rest or something. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So, so what That's was, great. yeah, she was a wonderful person. And I, again, miss being able to speak with her as well. What, so tell me a little bit about your treatment there because their treatment is different than what you will get at a lot of other places. Well, uh, so. Yes, back then when I started, yes. Yeah. So, so I did what was called I did standard chemotherapy, which was FUDR with leucoborin, uh, which was uh, that's what my standard treatment was. But I did a clinical trial called uh, intra-arterial therapy, which is like a heart catheter, and I was strapped down. So instead of going to my heart, it went to my pancreas and liver, and it shot. Uh, I believe it was 40 times the amount of chemo directly into the organs while the body only got normal chemo. So the organs, it was like a directed therapy, a targeted therapy, uh, which I didn't know about then, but uh, it was something that CTCA was doing in partnership with MD Anderson. And you had to have certain qualifications to get it and one was no chemo. so. I waited for two months to get my chemo, and so I started out on the intra-arterial therapy, and that was a 15-hour therapy where you just strap down and it just circulates in your body. And then on top of that, they gave me the FUDR and leucovorin. So that was one intra-arterial every month, and the FUDR was five days, once every like three weeks. So depending on my blood work, I would go back, depending on how it was usually yeah. i'd have to take a couple of weeks off just to let it get back up again but too don't they also treat you not just in that way but in other ways as well i appreciate <laughs> you saying that so they treat the whole person they treat the whole body but they also didn't take care of me they took care of my mom and my family and you know everything i got to experience they got to experience except for the chemo and uh, so while I was doing my five hours a day, my mom was doing mindful beating and uh, things like that. And I, you know, I, I have a naturopath, uh, a, a nutritionist, mind body therapist, which I transitioned to more at home now because I'm here more. Uh, but, but yes, uh, acupuncture, chiropractic, I was a mess from, I didn't realize how much of a mess I was until the chiropractor got a hold of me. And I was like, and uh, so yeah, they, they treat the whole body. And truthfully, 
cancer is a whole body experience. It's not just, it's not just the chemo. It's, it's, it's a lot of mental, for me, it was a lot of mental stuff to work through every day. It is it, it, the good days and the bad days. So it was, you know, it's good to have something that's, that's there. And I know um, once I added, you know, the natural to my own treatment, it seems like it made a big difference. I mean, I, my last chemo was in 2018 and it's because I went to, you know, uh, a holistic doctor and they worked good. together with my traditional, which I was very thankful for. So it's, it's, it's an amazing partnership and I wish more, more oncologists and doctors and stuff would realize that there's a great partnership in pairing these two because you know if somebody's like oh well you know i i had a slew of supplements that i'm still on we just transitioned to different stuff because i'm 14 years older but they always keep track of me and they always give me what i need and this is on the natural terms this isn't this isn't a prescription drug and you know still it gives me optimum health uh still to this day and i just wish more people would understand the 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 good partnership that, that the two things have exactly so you still have your tumor correct or uh no so uh i have some lesions in my liver but they don't light up with a pet scan oh. but my pancreas i had probably what was it when i stopped treatment i think it was like a centimeter i had left and when we went on a chemo holiday in uh, like January of 2012, they're like, you're not having chemo for six months. And I was like, what? It's keeping me alive. They're like, you've had way too much. Let's see what your body does. Well, I thought I was having gallbladder attacks about three months after it was my pancreas shriveling up. So mm -hmm. when, you, so the only thing that's active that you can see is the literal head of my pancreas and the rest just looks like a pancake but the centimeter mass is gone too it all just so it's like dead dead weight in there she oh. still works just differently right yes yeah so i you know i've had to come to peace with that and i finally got on some great supplements uh so uh enzymes i mean that i can take and work well yeah so you're not a diabetic then with this no so awesome. i'm borderline because my body just looks at food and gains weight but <laughs> i i've been working hard at keeping keeping that at bay uh because i know once you go on stuff you're usually on it for life so yeah. i'm keeping that at bay as much as i can good yeah and i'm, I'm doing the same because i still have mine as well so you have to kind of keep it at bay right and just uh, you do you yeah. well you, it's a night it's a fine dance once in a while of oh they're like, we really want to put you on stuff. And I'm like, let me get it down. I know I can do it. Yeah. So um, it's a nice partnership that I have with my primary care doctor and out at CTCA as well. Uh, but yeah, it's it's something most people assume that you're diabetic. But if you if you really watch your diet, you can you can really keep that at bay for the most part right <laughs> right right uh, for the most part yeah <laughs> well i mean i really want to talk to you more about everything that you've been through but i also want to bring up before we have to go your foundation that you started and what you're doing so could you give us some a little bit of information on that and how we yeah, can so, contact you as well uh so the purple iris foundation uh is something in 2012 uh we submitted paperwork for our official nonprofit status in after some going back and forth with the IRS, we got our official 501c3 status in 2013. So we do patient assistance 
for people in Maine battling cancer, uh, $500 every 12 months. Um, uh, it, it's an application process. You have to be 200% under uh, poverty level, the, f the federal poverty lines. Um, but we pay household bills and then we do monthly um, Annaford grocery gift cards for the families. Oh, that's awesome. And it's just for those people uh, in Maine? Is that uh, right now, okay. yes, because um, uh, cancer is an epidemic in this state, and uh, the, the the it financially people are pretty uh, in the lower end of the income scale. So I we all felt that it was good to take care of our people at home, uh, and we embrace all cancers, not just pancreatic, uh, because we I, I I couldn't see discriminating uh, for pancreatic. There's a lot of pancreatic organizations out there. Uh, we're usually the first line here for pancreatic, and then I send them to our other organizations. But uh, we really felt the need that we really needed to help people with all cancers. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that. That's really amazing. And is there a way that people can get in touch with you for more information? Uh, yes. So www.purpleirisfoundation.com. Um, and uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, oh, TikTok. <laughs> We're on Twitter. I'm not on there that much, but uh, LinkedIn. Uh, so just send a message and it's usually myself or uh, my sister that, that answers those messages. So we're pretty much a, a just a small group of people working to make a difference uh, in, in Maine. Oh, and I think you are. And I thank you for that. And uh, I want to thank you for joining us and sharing your journey. Any last pieces of advice or words of wisdom before you go? Uh, well, second opinion uh second third fourth opinion it's worth always if if you've got a cancer diagnosis find the place that's best fitted for you um because you have it's a good partnership find a good partnership but i believe in as many opinions as you need to find the place that you feel comfortable being treated yeah and i totally agree and again thank you for being with us and i hope you'll come back again i just love, I love, to, love to keep to, talking Roberta. to you i could probably talk to you forever <laughs> i think we really could and um and we end each episode with with a, a african proverb and it's as long as you say my name i shall live for forever today's living hope i want to dedicate to peggy kessler since we've been talking about her and she's been a great influence on both of our lives and absolutely um, i just i loved her dearly and her teasing and just her her fun and just her way yeah her positive way. somebody had a very very positive attitude so i'm glad that she had a, a great effect on both of us and just want to thank you again for being here and, and thank you for having me i i really appreciate it uh, we'll do it again i hope so thank you i hope so too take care you're looking great hey, you too roberta well there you have it another great reason to tune in each and every time to our weekly journey that we call Living Hope, designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer, sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis. And if you're having trouble dealing with it or know somebody that is, there is a number to call, lots of numbers. We've given out several. We'll give one again today. Call the patient services here in Southern California at 877-2-PANCAN for the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. For the OC Talk Radio Network, I'm Paul Roberts, thanking you for joining us, hoping us you'll share this story with others. And hug somebody today. There's a thought. Join us again next week as we stream live from the University of California Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center.